Blackhawks fans, welcome in. It is the Four Feathers Podcast live after the Hawks' first victory of the season. Ten times a charm, gentlemen. I'm Johnny Nani, joined by Ron Luz, Tony Marchese. Boys, as I mentioned, first win of the season. How's it feel? Insanity. Absolute insanity, Johnny. It's it's so refreshing to talk about a win after essentially what was the maybe the worst month of Blackhawks hockey we've seen in a very long time. Um, so it's nice to start out November on a high note with a win in what uh, I think we can all safely agree was the Patrick Kane game. Johnny, this was like the end of a drought. It was it was essentially what you would call a slump buster. Right. This was the, this was the slump buster. It was it wasn't exactly. I mean, I, I guess you could say this was pretty, but for all intents and purposes, as Ron said, the worst stretch of Blackhawks hockey that we've probably all watched in our lifetime. And some of that's external factors. Some of that's on ice factors, the culmination of it. Rock bottom was hit. And I'm just hoping that this is kind of that trudge up from rock bottom always great to talk about a win we love victory beers on the show we haven't even gotten to say the words victory <laughs> beers on four feathers podcast since what fucking almost like what feels like six seven early, months ago early may early may victory beers i think i made an edit of victory yeah. beers for four feathers that we've never even fucking released yet yeah here we are tonight we're having victory beers cheers boys um Victory beers taste way better. And I, I like for two seconds, just we get to watch the Blackhawks win a hockey game tonight, guys. Cheers. Let's 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 break this down. Yeah, a lot of more grand scheme of things. Uh, topics to go over, too. And obviously, this is just one. Uh, and it's against a team that was also near the bottom of the league. But I like what Mark Andre Fleury said, just kind of this relief that we're feeling right now. Um, it wasn't lost on him either. They asked, you know, is it good to get the monkey off the bat? back and he said it's more like a gorilla it's not like a small monkey um and i like that quote that's kind of uh i think what, what all blackhawks fans were feeling and then uh you had patrick kane too obviously you guys talked about the uh you know excellent outing that he had the night four points uh hat trick passes steve larmer uh third all-time blackhawks uh goal list uh in franchise history there um so a lot of cool stuff going on uh with that tonight hagel has two goals taves two assists um you had performances from others that we'll talk about flurry stopped 29 30 tonight following up a solid performance uh over the weekend in st louis um guys before we do um and get into any of this listeners make sure you're visiting on tapsports.com for all chicago sports literature and podcasting needs there's a follow on social media at four feathers pod and at on sportsnet make sure you subscribe the ONTAP Sportsnet YouTube page. That is where you can leave comments, interact with us live uh, on these shows when we're recording them. So now that that housekeeping's out of the way, guys, uh, this win, uh, finally, I know we want to get back and talk more about this, but this followed up uh, a stretch of games, 3-2 overtime loss versus Toronto last Wednesday, Friday night, 6-3 loss at Carolina, 1-0 loss at St. Louis Saturday night. Um, Felt like they were getting a little closer at the end there, just couldn't get over the hump, Um, but obviously Patrick Kane's presence tonight um, was exactly what they needed uh, to get over that hump. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have Patrick Kane in the lineup, it, it drastically improves your offense uh, just by him stepping on the ice. And, you know, pleasant surprise for the Blackhawks today with him returning at morning skate kind of out of the blue, and that's really how people first found out. Um, I think I saw it first with uh, with our boy Charlie Remuliotis. Uh, you know, he he sent the, the video into the Twitter sphere and everybody was like, oh, he's back. And then, of course, JC's like, well, is he going to play? 
Well, he played. and You would never know the dude had 10 days off. He probably hasn't moved off his couch in 10 days, and he literally just came back, led the team in terms of forwards and ice time, and he just put up a goal in, or three goals and an assist in, you know, and makes history. I mean, just what a banner night for Patrick Kane in terms of his performance because he was absolutely just beyond good. It only took, what, four minutes, 41 seconds for me to get mad at Jeremy Carlton for a few things. Um, you know, not knowing that Patrick Kane was going to be in the lineup tonight. Like, I, I think, Ron, you knew that. I think I knew that. I think everybody and their mother knew that Patrick Kane was going to be playing tonight the minute that he fucking took the ice um, and, and the morning skate today. Um I don't know if it's gamesmanship from Carlton. I don't know if it's it's there were other tests that Patrick Kane had to had to clear to to come back. I thought that you know the fact that he was on the ice meant that he was COVID negative and ready to go. Um, I didn't understand the quote earlier, but I think that uh, like you said, uh, Ron. I mean, dude just showed up tonight. He, he absolutely showed up tonight. And this is this is something that we've talked about on this show over the course of, what, three years that we've been doing this. There's going to be nights where Patrick Kane comes out and does something absolutely special um, on the ice. And this is, uh, this is just another one of them. Guy has the ability to take over a game. You saw exactly that tonight. You saw him provide all the offense that you would have needed to win a hockey game. And did it with what seemed like ease. So, uh, you know, 10 days off, no rust to knock off, just get out there and, and, and be Patrick Kane. And that's what you saw tonight. And obviously in the grand scheme of things, very good for this Hawks team to break that streak. And also good to see Kane show up and, uh, look good. Yeah. I think there's a lot to discuss regarding Patrick Kane. I'm sure it'll come up at some point later in the show because it's hard to talk about this game without talking about Patrick Kane, but you talk about other positive developments for the Blackhawks. Uh, and it's kind of a building thing. And that's Mark Andre Fleury and net. Um, I think I was concerned. I think a lot of Hawks fans were concerned at the beginning because yes, sure. The defense wasn't playing stellar in front of him, but there were also uh, situations that he put himself in with handling the puck poorly uh, that would, you know, lead to goals against. And then also just some maybe questionable ones. Maybe, you know, you're like, that's, not very flower like he would normally save something like that uh in some prior games kind of through that first like kind of like you know five to six game stretch of the schedule but either way um after maybe you know going to Lincoln and back-to-back times uh Flurry gets back in net and uh on Saturday night and you're talking about a stellar performance he played well at St. Louis just like hey name the game you got to be able to or one at least uh, to win. And the Blackhawks couldn't even do that. So him building on that, uh, similar stat lines in those, as I had mentioned, stopped 29 to 30 uh, tonight. Um, I'd still imagine, actually, you know, with the way Colin's been doing shit, who knows? Maybe he'll ride a hot hand of sorts and go back to Flurry on Wednesday night against Carolina. Uh, but it could also very well be Kevin Lankin in, uh, in that net. So I, I don't know exactly what's going on there, who's going to be in Wednesday. But either way, it's a good sign for the Blackhawks that Marc-Andre Fleury is starting to look more like Marc-Andre Fleury. Thoughts there? Yeah, it's refreshing that he looks like Marc-Andre Fleury. I think a lot of people were concerned early uh, just from the standpoint of, oh my goodness, like the Hawks took him on and surely it was a move thinking about him as your number one goaltender. And if he's not able to perform and, and kind of, I guess, you know, maybe push Lincoln in, in a way where he, you know, fits that 1A role that I think, even fans and, and the coaching staff envisioned him taking this season. 
you know, I think that that just allowed for concern because it's like, well, crap, now if Lincoln has to lead again and he's not totally ready, is this team even going to be able to win games when you need your goalie to steal one for you? And, you know, like you said, Johnny, he played so well on Saturday night. It's unfortunate that he got the loss. And then tonight he follows it up with another great performance. He was challenged really hard early in that first period. I mean, I think they were outshot, what, 12 to four or even maybe worse at, at one point in the first period. You know, he, he stood tall and stopped the pucks when he needed to, and only giving up one goal tonight was a perfect example of, you know, him seeming like Marc-Andre Fleury of old. And now you got to at least feel a little more confident between the pipes because even Lankinen hasn't looked that atrocious in the last couple of games. It feels like maybe the goalies just needed a little time to get warmed up, and it, and it seems like now that November's rolling around, they might be at that point. I'm not going to go and, and shine a, a light on all of this, but the, the fact that, you know, you've had – this Blackhawks team, if you take all of the off-ice factors away from it, you've got two really good goaltenders here. You've got Kevin Lankinen, who proved over stretches last year that he can hold the crease uh, as a number one goaltender in the NHL. I think that you know he's got a little bit of development to do, but you've also got Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, these are guys that you kind of expect to steal games. You saw Kevin Lankinen steal games for this Blackhawks team last year. You saw Marc-Andre Fleury, if you've watched hockey over the last, what, 10 fucking years, uh, steal hockey games for you. Um, you know, you, you've seen some of the Marc-Andre Fleury-ness so far. Uh, unfortunately, the Hawks haven't been able to capitalize and put the puck in the back of the net. I think, you know, for as much as that we want to talk about the goaltending here, I think some of the other uh, some of the other factors here come at the other end of the ice. Uh, guys, to be honest with you, I think that the Blackhawks have a chance to win every single game, no matter who is starting in net. That's just my personal opinion. Um, whether it be Marc-Andre Fleury, who I think gives you a little bit better of a chance to win a hockey game, or Kevin Lykanen, I don't think that the problem's really been in the net, guys. I think it's been... In, in other areas of the ice, I think it's been in their own zone. Uh, not so much them, but for all intents and purposes, outside of Corey Crawford and, and Robin Lehner and maybe uh, the the Scott Darling-Corey Crawford tandem, and you could throw Ray Emery-Corey Crawford in there as well, this is a, this is a stand-up, uh, you know, one of the best goaltending tandems that we've seen in a long time. Um, and that's giving a lot of credit to Kevin Lykin, and I, I'm really high on this kid. I might end up eating my words at some point here, but I'm, I'm really high on Kevin Lykin. And I think that he is the guy eventually that's going to be your number one goaltender in Chicago for a couple of years uh, in a row. And you're going to have a guy behind him. Um, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, credit to the Blackhawks organization for going out and getting this guy for basically nothing. Uh, and, and, you know, I, 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 I had some questions uh, about whether or not he's committed to play here. Um, but tonight went a long way, I think, at least for me in showing that, uh, you know, he is committed. He, he does want to play hockey. He does want to be here. And I think his statements after that loss to the Blues where, he's, you know, this is embarrassing. Nobody wants to be here, uh, you know, kind of showed that, you know, he, he is serious about this. And I think that, you know, the goaltending isn't the problem that we have here. It hasn't been the problem uh, so far this year. Uh, but, you know, tonight, just classic. Um, you know, Mark Andre Fleury, and you know, you love to see that. One thing I want to comment on, Ron, you and I had an exchange earlier this morning, uh, during the morning skate. Does Jeremy Calton know how to use the starters net during the morning skate? I'll go to you guys. I guess not. And you know, you and I were 
reflecting on that as I was writing up that article today uh, that everybody can go check out over at ontapsportsnet.com. But I mean, it's it's goofy because it's like that you see the tweets come out from all the insiders and reporters that are at the United Center that, OK, Lankin is working in the starters net. So everybody's like, OK, you know, maybe they're saving Marc-Andre Fleury for Wednesday because it's Carolina and Carolina is clearly the better team and this, that and the other, you know, and then not four minutes afterwards, 30 seconds before I'm ready to publish that article. Oh, hey, Marc-Andre Fleury is starting in that tonight. What the hell? And it's like, yeah, because he left the ice first. And it, yeah, I, I don't think he knows is how Jeremy Carlton trying to punish people like us and the beat writers by doing that. Is yes, he just he's is he a trying master, to fuck with the media? Is he a master troll? Is Jeremy Carlton a master troll at this point in time? Because he did utilize it correctly last year, if I'm not mistaken. He did. And all of a sudden, this has completely changed. Yeah. So maybe it is a bit of trolling. There's a fair amount of trolling, I guess. I don't know. That that might be where it's at when you're talking about leaving it leaving it updates. up to discussion. I think Jer- Jeremy Compton has a Twitter account. Yeah. I think he goes back at the end of practice and he just scrolls through and he looks at all of us and says, "Ha." Yeah. Very, that might be well, his form of entertainment. Yeah, very very well could be, Tony. I think I think that's a good point because there's that's not the first time either. That was just the most recent example this morning, but there was like I think it was last week when they were home still. There was another situation that was basically the same thing. Whoever was going to start was not in the starters crease. I used finger quotes there. Um, but then it ended up being, um, you know, the guy that wasn't in that starters crease ended up getting the net. So um, could be, you know, a uh, of gamesmanship, like you said there, Tony, but more just for um, some, you know, throw off the people closest that are right there around the team. So um, we'll leave it at that for there. You talked about Tony, another problem there. This kind of all started with the goaltender talk. Um, I just wanted to get that out of the way because Mark Andre Fleury um, on a riding a couple games back to back now. So, you know, you got to take what we can positive from this team at any point that we can get it. Um, but another reason we talked about Patrick Kane coming out of the COVID protocol. Um, another reason that you had talked about struggles here, the, a lot of it up front, not being able to score enough, not being able to keep up with other teams. Well, um, Jujar Kyra, uh, Henrik Borgstrom, Riley Stillman still in COVID protocol despite Patrick Kane exiting that today. And Tyler Johnson out missed his second straight game today with neck soreness. So that's kind of the injury updates there. Um, it's interesting. When, guys, we were talking about a guy like Reese Johnson here, like on this before. It's like this is not a guy you really expected to get in uh, until maybe later in the season when injuries wore down further and maybe piled up. Um, and I know that COVID can bring that about a lot quicker, but still it's just not your best offensive options there. It's just kind of uh, we missing any absences here. It's causing, you know, things like going nuclear in that second period with Taves and Kane playing together. Um, It's interesting because you have to do that to beat the Ottawa Senators. doesn't really inspire confidence. And I just want to see Henrik Borgstrom back out there because that guy has potential. And I think as soon as he gets going, uh, it could be piling in a bunch uh, in a row. So that's just my take on it. Um, Thoughts on offense, what they can do to improve overall. Obviously, outburst for five tonight is nice, but can they sustain that and how can they do that? I'll take this one, uh, Ron, real quick. I, I think that uh, you bring up a couple names. Hendrick Borgstrom is, is one of them that's really going to help this offense. I, I think it's almost unreasonable at this point in time for a Hawks fan to sit here and look at this team and be like, yeah, they can because Patrick Kane. And for as much as that we give credit to Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves or Alex Dabrinkit, um, and you look at some of the secondary scoring that comes from guys like Dominic Kublik, 
it's really easy to be on one night and off the next, right guys? Like that's just, that's, that's hockey for you. So you're going to see these offensive outbursts from this team on nights where you get some, you know, really good performances out of Alex to or Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves, especially uh, those guys that are up front. We've talked about this over and over again. Those are the types of guys that are going to win you a bunch of games. So th- some of this scoring is going to have to come from your third and fourth line. You're going to have to get Ryan Carpenter going. You're going to have to get guys uh, that just don't generally show up on the score sheet rolling with each other in order to provide that offense. You do have, uh, a way better uh, defensive core than you've had in a long time. We were just talking about this before we got on the mic. Connor, uh, Connor Murphy, Seth Jones, some of these, some of these guys uh, that you know you've got in this defensive core that are reliable guys. You've got good goaltending. I think some of this just comes down to, you know, how do you roll through four lines? Really, how 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 do you get to a point? And some of those answers may be. Uh, a guy like Borgstrom coming back to the to the lineup um, and providing some of that extra speed that you just don't see right now. You saw from from Patrick Kane and just how much different this offense looked tonight when you've got a guy that can skate, who's a, a sniper, who's a puck handler, who can who can skate with speed versus some of the slowed down stuff. I, I hammered home before the season started after we watched some of the the preseason stuff how I like this team's fight. That's all fine and dandy, but it needs to be supplemented with something like Patrick Kane, like Hendrick Borstrom. Those are the type of guys that are going to drive the offense. So yeah, they are missing that right now. Um, I'll leave it on this. I got a text message from somebody else uh, who who watches the Hawks all the time. And he said, Hey, you're looking at this record right now. Are you worried? What's going on? What's, what's wrong with this team? I said, critical underperformance and so many factors around this. You look at off-ice situation, you look at on-ice situation, COVID running through the locker room, all this other stuff. This team has not lived up to expectations. I don't even think they lived up to expectations tonight. It's a good hockey team. They've just underperformed. They've had some of the most crazy external factors that you've had to look at. You've got stud goaltending in that. There's no reason they can't turn it around, but there's really no reason also at the same time to believe that they will. So that's it's it's just a really interesting spot to be in. Crossroads. Yeah, it really is. And and kind of supplement that because I agree. I think guys, you know, as they get healthy, obviously that's a big part of it, you know, but guys like the Henrik Borgstroms of the world, the Tyler Johnsons of the world, those guys that are going to be in, you know, more depth scoring roles need to be able to get going. A guy I'd like to see get going if they're not going to trade him is Dylan Strom as well. I think he's a good name to throw in there also. Yep. But something I want to see a little more of that I think is truly going to help this offense, and maybe not necessarily in the terms of goals, but definitely in the terms of these guys setting up potential chances, especially for some of these grinders that they've assembled on this roster that can play in front of the net, Ryan Carpenter, Mackenzie Entwistle, so on and so forth. I want to see more shots out of the defense because tonight, despite 31 shots on goal, they only had four shots on goal from their blue line. And it was between two guys. Seth Jones had two. Eric Gustafson had the other two. I want to see guys like Jake McCabe, who has an absolute rocket of a shot. Shoot preseason. Yeah. The same thing with guys like Connor Murphy, because sure. And, and even, you know, guys like maybe Stillman and Jones, when they get back or Wyatt Kalanuck, I think is a guy that w- would shoot the puck more. Than I just want Ryan hesitant. Stillman to murder somebody. That's all. Like, hey. just line them up on the boards. Provide me that energy. Start a fight. Exactly. And even, and even that, and even guys like Calvin DeHaan, who, you know, we're obviously big fans of, but I'd love to see these guys shoot more because again, even if it's not necessarily the, 
you know, the goals coming necessarily from the blue line, if you can generate a rebound scoring opportunity or you can generate a, a shot at even toward the net, maybe it doesn't count as a shot on goal, but it goes behind the net. And one of those big guys like a Strom or a Borgstrom or something can muscle it in from behind the net, make a nice pass out in front into the slot. Like that's just going to generate more offense. When you only get four shots on goal out of, only two defensemen out of 31 total shots tonight. That's something I want to see raise a little bit. I'm not saying they need to have 10 shots a goal on game, you know, but six would be nice. You know, maybe even yeah. seven and eight on a really high scoring night. Ron, I think that's a way to a help reward some of those depth forwards for who may not be as skilled at bringing the puck in or skating through, you know, uh, five different guys on the defense. Um, you a, you can reward him for positioning if they're in the right spot. I mean, hey, it didn't go off of him, but it very well could have tonight. A guy like Ryan Carpenter right out in front of the net. Granted, that was Brandon Hagel throwing the shot. But either way, very well could have been from a de- defenseman who stepped up into that just above the circle spot where Hagel ended up firing it from. So I, I think that's a good way to put it there. And then also, you don't have to be as cute. You don't have to be as, uh, you know, we, we need to dig out every single minuscule like puck battle and hope that it stays in and our guys keep it there at the top. Because then once it gets back there and you get your positioning in front of the net, then that's when a big shot from the D can come through and that can bank off a skate. It can bank off of a stick. Uh, it can go off a defender in, in, in. Hey, you never, you know, uh, never underestimate uh, defensemen screening their own goalies um, because it very well can happen as long as your forwards are in the right place there and forcing them to be in those spots. So I agree with you, Ron. And Hey, Seth Jones, that's what you're here for, buddy. Bring it. I know you said he had two of them tonight, but even more. He, I, there was one, I believe, in the first period. He passed up yep. great A chance. I mean, shit. And he tried to just shovel it over to Patrick Kane, who was way too, A, he was way too close to him. If he had a little more spacing and Kane was in like the middle of the slot, I could have seen that's okay. And if he's open, okay, that's fine. You're getting it to an elite scorer. But yeah. Jones had the angle and he had the, the lane. Mm-hmm. And he had yeah going for Kane there. So yeah, it is yeah. going on. I didn't mean to steal literally. your point, but that's just uh, where I wanted to go with that. And just no other and, ways and, to generate and offense. Literally. So then when you, when you are missing some of your skill guys, you don't have to be as cutesy with the puck, you know? Exactly. And I literally had that written down on my notes tonight. Johnny was Jones needs to shoot because I, I, that play was the exact one that stood out to me too. I'm like, why are you passing there? That's trying to be cute and making one too many passes. Just take the shot, dude. You have a good shot. I mean, the guy has scored plenty of goals in his career. Yeah, he leads the Hawks in assists, and that's great. I love the fact that he has seven assists. Uh, Now I think he got his eighth tonight, so eight assists through ten games for this team. But, dude, shoot. You have the shot. Use it. This is going to sound real neat, Bolly. Shoot and hit people. No hits tonight for Seth Jones. Hit people. Use the body. You have that size. You, Johnny, you've said yeah, this a it, million fucking times. You yeah, cannot it, teach size. Yeah. It, Be it, a force out there. That's I what go, I want to see from Seth I go Jones. back to just a very small moment in the game that they lost at New Jersey. It was that like the third game of the year? Second or – yeah. Probably, I mean, it might have been the second game of the year, was it? Yeah. Um, and Seth, it, was, it was like just a situation of, you know, beating a guy to a puck. And guess what? He had the inside position. So, boom. Uses that big shoulder, upends the guy, and retrieves the puck. It's not like going out of your way to go and destroy someone. I think that's what you're getting at there, Tony. It's like, use the frame. Can't teach no, size. No, use yeah, the big no. butt. Use use the shoulders. Use it all, man. Yeah. Marion Hosa was great at that. Mm-hmm. No, you've got that build. Go and do it. You've seen Zidane Chara do it. You've seen Marion Hosa do it. You've seen plenty of guys do it. Anze Kopitar. It doesn't matter what your position is. 
it's it's just a matter of size. You you've got a longer reach than the guy who's next to you. You've got a bigger body. They're intimidated by you. I I, I can assure you that when Seth Jones winds up and takes a slap shot, it's more intimidating than when Alex DeBrinkett does. I can assure you that when you're going into the corner, I would rather see Alex DeBrinkett next to me than Seth Jones. Use that to your advantage. And I think that, you know, that's just something that the Hawks can build off of. And especially if you're Seth Jones, you can use that to your advantage to help the Blackhawks win. You look at this up and down and, and it's great that you've got assists, but you know, guys, if, if I'm really looking at that, like, assists for Seth Jones are, are good. I'm not going to say that they're bad, but if Seth Jones has one assist in a game and no hits and two shots on net, I, I would rather see Seth Jones pepper six pucks to the net and hit four people yeah. in this game. And in, in this game, I think that's fair. That's well, just, I, I feel like that's where his game should be. Sure. At, at least in my opinion. Well, and you look at it too, right? Like they went out of their way this off season to establish size on the blue line. Obviously they're missing one of their guys in Riley Stillman. Uh, that kind of brings that aspect, but look at, look at the other two guys they went and got. And then the guy that they extended to make sure he wasn't leaving anytime soon and Connor Murphy and Jake McCabe, all three of them, including Seth Jones have size and Murphy and McCabe know how to use it. Three and two hits respectively for those guys tonight. Even DeHaan and Gustafson each had three hits tonight on the blue line. The only other defenseman that didn't have a hit tonight was Phillips. And, you know, in fairness to Phillips, he only played like 12 minutes tonight. That's the classic, you know, Jeremy Collinson like, playing a like super young dude as the we're hammering, dude. We're hammering down on, on Johnny's guy, Seth Jones, like the number one fucking target here Damn. in a 5-1 win. The first time, first time the Hawks win, we're hammering down on Seth Jones. That's how important I think that he really is to this Hawks team exactly. going forward. Absolutely. I'm just going to say this, and I'm, I'm going to agree with Johnny. That's how important he is. When there's no hits there and, and, and you are basically – you know, you're paid as the number one defender here. You are, you are absolutely paid. Nobody can fucking argue that you are paid as the number one defender. And Eric Gustafson is out hitting you out there. And that's just not for, that's not lack of opportunity for Seth Jones to lay a hit on somebody that to me says at least, and you know, the people on Twitter are doing this whole red flag thing. Seth Jones had no hits, throw the red flags out there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I, I kind of want to establish something, Tony, because I, I think that there isn't like a minimum like quota that he has to like have. Every I'll, give wanna, I, I'll give him a quota. I'll give him a quota. I think what it is, at least for me, it's that you should you're paid to do so. So you should dominate the blue line. And I want to see it night in and night out while your legs are still good for it. I think that's my biggest kind of urge yeah, sort of, and, you know, like urgency behind wanting Seth Jones to do more and do more of everything on the back end. That's putting shots on, hitting people, taking the puck away and uh, scoring goals too. Let's see some of that too. Fuck. He had plenty of them you know, in his prior years with uh, Nashville and with Columbus. He, he could score a goal here too. That'd be nice. I wouldn't complain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nor would I not only for sake of helping the Hawks, but he's also on my fantasy team. But I mean, especially guys too, when like you make so many good points about him being the number one defenseman, right? Obviously he's clearly paid astronomically more than everybody else on the roster after next season or after this season, um, he will be what? $5.1 million greater than Connor Murphy, who's 4.4, which will be the next highest once DeHaan's four, five, five drops off. I know I'm a numbers nerd. That's just what I do here. Um, but like, you know, that's a sizable difference. Like that clearly defines you as the number one. This isn't a team like what it was for the Hawks, you know, even in the cup years where Seabrook's making five, seven at the time, Keith's making five, five, and even Jalmerson was making four, one, like they're a little closer together. Obviously Keith was 
the number one guy, but like they were all a little closer together. So it was like, okay, Hey, they're all playing really well. They're all, you know, meeting their marks, Seth Jones, you, and then Tony, to your point, he'll, you'll be the third largest contract on the team next year. You know, fuck being on the blue line. You're the third largest on the team as a prime age defenseman. I mean, he's what just turned 27. So as a prime age defenseman in the NHL, be the player that you've been the last couple of years and start to improve it. And, you know, in your prime, right? Like Patrick Kane was a superstar before he hit his prime, but then we saw MVP trophies when Patrick Kane hit his prime. Like I think Seth Jones is getting to that point in his career where he should do that. Cause he's that talented. Now we want to see it. He also, you, you know, you mentioned giveaways or giveaways and takeaways for him. Like he's a takeaway machine. Like he has done that historically in his career. No takeaways tonight, two giveaways. Like that's yes, it's a five, one win. And that's great. But Tony, I agree with you. Like you got to show up like the number one guy night in night out. And sure. You know, sometimes the big contract extension gets the guys, uh, you know, the new change of scenery for him is maybe something to, you know, revolving deep pairings. I know they tried a couple different guys with him, uh, even though him and Dehan have probably been together the most. Like, you know, I'm hoping now that we're 10 games into the season that he really starts to ramp up here. Otherwise, like it's going to generate concern amongst people, especially looking forward, Johnny, like you've said, because if he's not going to live up to the contract, that's a huge burden, especially when you know the cap's not going to rise for probably at least two to three years, you know, to have on your roster at that number that he's at. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, guys, while we're on the topic of the back end here, um, you mentioned in passing there, uh, Isaac Phillips, the guy, and yes, he's brought up being the sixth guy that plays like the limited minutes here, but how much are we missing Wyatt Kellynuck and Caleb Jones right now? Because either one of them, and this is no offense to Isaac Phillips or Ian Mitchell or those guys that were there. A, we said that defensemen take forever to develop, and we know that, but those guys proved capable uh, in their respective, you know, Caleb Jones being with the Oilers and uh, White Kelly playing at the end of last season with the Blackhawks uh, and obviously on track before that injury during training camp here. How much are they missing these guys? Is this a big factor in some of these losses that we're having? I know, uh, you know, a little bit closer and obviously a winded night um, in their last two. But before that, um, I feel like a lot of the depth there, it's like uh, any team, looking at it uh, whenever they can get that matchup out there, you can just go and attack and feel like you have free reign uh, around that. Um, any uh, thoughts there uh, on the back end of the blue line? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that the Blackhawks went out and addressed this off season was, yeah, we're going to go beef up the top of our you know, guys. Let's go get Jake McCabe. They go make the big trade for Seth Jones. But at the same time, they made the nice little moves, you know, making sure they had Wyatt Kalanick. They got Stillman at the deadline last year in that trade with Borgram uh, and Connolly, who's now down in Rockford as organizational depth. But like they also went and got Caleb Jones, and that was to make sure that they had three guys that it could, uh, could effectively rotate as that fifth and sixth D man on the roster outside of your Dahan, McKay, Murphy, and, and Jones. And that was Baby Jones and Kalinuk joined by Stillman. All three of them are hurt right now. And I absolutely think they are missing those guys because Stillman, as Tony said, brings that physical presence. You know, you're playing a heavier team. You can have him in the lineup one night. You're playing a little more of a faster skilled team. You can ensure Kalinuk's going to be in the lineup because of his offensive ability. You know, and then Jones is kind of that well-rounded guy. And we saw it in the preseason. I got to see him live in that uh, home opening preseason game against the Blues. He looked great in that game. Like, I actually left the United Center feeling excited about Caleb Jones this season. Again, yes, he's not going to be a top-four guy, but, hell, Caleb Jones is a really solid 5-6. Made me excited about this team this year. And then, of course, both of them get hurt right before the season, and now Stillman's out with COVID. Like, 
Johnny, I absolutely think that's an underlooked part of the defense because you know you can only lean on your big four so much until they start to get worn down. You need that defensive depth because otherwise your guys that are talented aren't as effective because they're tired because they get burned out. Here's some big picture stuff. And yes, I think you do miss Caleb Jones. I think you miss Kelly Nock. But you also miss guys like uh, Yoki Haru. You miss guys like Boquist. You miss guys that were drafted in the first round. We talk about how long it takes these guys to develop. And you've got an organization. And I think that this goes deeper. This isn't just this game or, or wherever this goes. But it's 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 systematic right and i think that there's there's a whole thing that we can dissect here with the moves that were made by the front office and stan bowman that have now hindered them somewhat so to speak where hey you want that offensive defense defenseman that that develops a little quicker than your defensive defenseman that can slot into your five six instead of having to go out and acquire some of these guys um, you know, like what, what does a guy like Yoki Hario do and developing in this system? What does Adam Boquist, uh, provide for you? And now I know that you, like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this roster right now and I'm saying like, yeah, you got to give something up to get something right. Like that's, that's, that's just the name of the game. But some of the guys that you've traded away were also the missing pieces now that you have on the back end here. And at least that's how I feel is that you've, you've, you've kind of decimated some of those missing pieces to go grab bigger pieces that you had a huge problem with, but now we're trying to fill in those gaps and you're like, okay, like Caleb Jones. Right. And, and, and then you go and look at what the development is going to be for some of these other guys over the course of four or five years. And you're just trying to plug holes. And that's all they've been doing now for, for quite a bit of time is just trying to plug holes. And so I think that that's the larger issue here is that you've kind of decimated some of those guys who could develop into top tier pieces, first round talent, second round talent that can develop into some of those pieces that are, you know, staples five, six guys uh, on the, de- and on the defensive end. And you're going back and you're reacquiring Eric Gustafson. Yeah, that's and, that's your problem, right? Time is a flat well, circle, and just exactly. <laughs> that's what just, it is. Is you 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 go out there and you go draft this guy to be a better Eric Gustafson, and now we're sitting here and you've got fucking Eric Gustafson um, back. Like, there's your problem with some of this. In addition to Tony, like you mentioned, obviously you got to give up something to get something. You know, they they parted with Bokvist in order to acquire Seth Jones, but like, there's a reason people wanted him, right? But like, you know, there there's also the you know the trades that have been made in the past that you've noted for sure maybe Yoki Haru as a first round pick wasn't going to be a top two defenseman in the league but right now he would look really nice as a five or six on the Blackhawks mm-hmm. team and you traded him for a guy that's currently playing down in Rockford and can't get his shit together as a former eighth overall well, pick Ron, I'm looking at that when you sit when you sit there and Johnny asks a question you know like do they miss Caleb Jones and 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 Kelly Nock and I'm sitting there going like no you missed Henry Yoki Haru because he he slots in at number six, and I don't think any of us are having a complaint about that. I, I legitimately don't. Would you rather have him in the lineup than Gustafson right now? Would you rather no. have him in the lineup than maybe a Riley Stillman slotting in at six with this with this current night? Maybe that's debatable, but somebody gets to sit in the press box and drink beers. <laughs> Pick and choose on who you're playing your matchups with. I think that's I think that's fair, Ron. You just bring it up right there, and it's like 
those are some of the missing pieces. And it's 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 kind of still too fresh to go back there and be like Bowman, Bowman, Bowman. But it's also it is Bowman, Bowman, Bowman. That was still the problem. We're still dealing with it. He's gone now, but you're still dealing with that. Yeah. There's a lot of work to be done to go undo some of those things. Yeah, no, for sure. We kind of kind of got a little bit, um, you know, uh, further organizational depth sort of uh, talk there. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's it's all fair points there, Tony. I'm just, you know, fortunately, th- those two guys that would have plugged that because guess what? If just Jones is injured, then Kelly Nuck's one that steps in. If just Kelly Nuck's injured, then it's Jones that's there. And then, of course, they're both out at the same time on the IR sort of thing. So that just kind of sucks where they're at right now. I feel like it'll look at least a little more stable when one of them at least returns. So, uh, and then you got Stillman too, because you're talking about uh, COVID absences. Like I had mentioned earlier, obviously we mentioned the guys up front uh, and the Borgstroms of the world, but then uh, Stillman on the back end too there. So um, yeah, hopefully at some point here, because with Patrick Kane was out since last like Monday, I believe. Um, and now he's back or excuse me, it was last Saturday. Uh, some of those guys were added like earlier in the week there. So their kind of 10 days should be coming up here as long as they're testing negative. Um, the, you know, um, hopefully we can get some of those back, uh, at least in from a Riley Stillman standpoint. And then the IR um, should, you know, uh, still going to be a little bit longer for those other guys that I mentioned, but um, finally working their way towards that. Some better uh, health overall um, uh, on the sheet. So, um, guys, uh, we're looking ahead. Uh, what's going on next here with the Blackhawks? They got Carolina at home Wednesday night uh, at Winnipeg Friday and then at home against Nashville on Sunday with their first win under their belt. Um, they get any sort of streak, confidence, uh, something going here? I think you certainly hope so. I mean, Wednesday is going to be a tough test uh, against a really good Carolina Hurricanes team that has just come flying out of the gate so far this season. But, you know, Winnipeg uh, certainly is a beatable team. I'm not going to sit here and be like, the Hawks should win this game. Winnipeg is still a very good team. I think a lot of people are actually overlooking the Jets this year. But, uh, you know, you look at Winnipeg on the road. You look at, um, you know, coming home then on Sunday for a team like Nashville, who you know, kind of is going through a little bit of an identity crisis. They they need some scoring and, you know, they have some holes too. So I really think overall, this is the, hey, let's, let's, let's try and make something out of this now. Like let's take advantage, especially against some pretty decent teams. If they can truly step up and play well against teams like the Jets. And again, the Predators are always a tough out and, and the Hurricanes in these next three games, I think that just helps them confidence you know give them confidence as a roster again to say hey we are a good team like look at us on paper people expected us to make the playoffs they start to play like it and then they can put that momentum together maybe all of a sudden now we're sitting here at american thanksgiving which is kind of like what people deem the unofficial cutoff if you think a team's going to make playoffs or not you know more often than not maybe at least we're talking about this team like they're there they're in the hunt like sure maybe they're not firmly in the playoff picture because of how awful their start was but at least if they're starting to write the momentum going into the american holiday like you feel at least a little better than as the season starts to trudge on. Couple of thoughts here, uh, Ron. Number one, I like that you prefaced like American Thanksgiving uh, for the Canadian listeners out there. I thought that was admirable. Uh, number two, um, this team uh, has the shortest leash that I've ever given a team, uh, at least a Blackhawks team, in probably 10, 11 years here. Um, they have no confidence from me until they can string together two or three wins. It's just it, or at least go two and three over a three game stretch. Uh, tonight was great. Uh, hopefully you go back out there and you win one of the next two games. And we can then talk about me having some confidence in this team, but 
the last thing I want to get to here is the fact that, you know, this was the first fucking win all year overall. When I talk about stretches and everything, this was, this was the first win. And it was largely held on Patrick Kane having a standout performance. And this is and something it was I against talked, the Senators. It's and not... it was against the Senators. This, this, this isn't, you know, oh, my God, the Hawks came out and won 5-1. This was an expected win on the schedule when you looked at it back in August. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's great to get off the schneid, but you got to do a lot more fucking work in order to earn any confidence in anybody who's watched hockey in a long time. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to beat that anymore. Go prove it on the ice. Yeah. That's all I've got to say. Right, Tony. I'm right there with you because I just wanted to, I had to throw out the question as we're looking ahead for our what's on tap next segment of this uh, podcast episode. But um, I, I'm in that full same boat with you. And I feel like you're going to uh, be right back in uh, the L column uh, on Wednesday night against uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. A, they're off to a hot as hell start. B, they're very talented. See, you just played them on Friday night, and look what happened. A 6-3 loss, absolute track meet to start out. You kept up for a little bit. You know, you scored the first one, then you got uh, the game tied up, went ahead again, and then they just kind of uh, took it to you until Alex Dabrick had added kind of a garbage. It was a cool goal, but it was kind of garbage time there. You're already down was a 6-2 or 5-2 at that point. So um, it's going to be I more of that. Those, and, I call uh, those the shell goals and, that make you not quit early. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly what it was because it was a highlight reel goal uh, with the way that he weaved. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things for the Hawks, garbage time. Uh, but just looking at that overall there, um, Patrick Kane, you know, I know he played the most minutes mug forwards tonight, but him, Jonathan Taves, I imagine they're going to be stacked up uh, being, you know, kind of the nuclear option again. Maybe Brandon Hagel or Kirby Doc alongside him, uh, depending on what you want to match up with there. Uh, and then Seth Jones, Connor Murphy, um, Calvin DeHaan, those guys are going to have to be ready to play shit ton of minutes too, because you're probably not going to want to trust uh, Isaac Phillips up there for too much uh, on Wednesday night. So um, I think even when you throw your best at him like that, still ends up in a loss, probably a two goal loss at least. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> I, you know, you mentioned Isaac Phillips just really quickly. I, I'm kind of hoping and praying that a guy like Riley Stillman is out of pro COVID protocol by Wednesday. Um, I think if he's reinserted, especially against a, you know, very fast and not, I mean, they have some size, but not egregiously large Carolina team. Maybe that physical presence in the lineup can help the Hawks slow the game down a little more. And, you know, you noted the track meet uh, the last time they played. You know, maybe that's not as bad in, the, in this case. And the Hawks are actually able to hang around and maybe steal a win against, again, probably, you know, arguably the, the best team, you know, in the first month of the season. And they're undefeated in the month of October. So, you know, just little things like that right now you're looking for, too, maybe as, as a way to, you know, at least have a chance in the game on Wednesday. I look at this and I say, I wish Patrick Kane didn't have a hat trick tonight. Um, I wish he just scored a goal and 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 scored the hat trick against Carolina because you kind of look at things here and it's like, okay, this was you know obviously the Hawks needed this one, but did you need all that kind of offensive production? And and obviously, easy for a great player like Patrick Kane to go do this tonight, but you would rather him show up in, in a game against Carolina and kind of save some of that. And I know that's all like, you can't quantify that on the stat sheet, but overall you, you really want your, your best players to show up against the best teams. And it's really hard to go and repeat these types of performances. I think just over the history of sports, we've kind of culminated to the, to the fact that like, you're not going to score a hat trick every game. So if you're going to have some, 
I'd rather you have it against good teams than bad teams, but good players show up against them regardless. It is what it is, but that's, that's kind of where I'm looking at this in a selfish manner and saying like, as a fan, like, save some for tomorrow, you know, like yeah. I know it doesn't work that way, but I want to just fucking say like, save some for tomorrow. Like it doesn't matter if you fucking scored three or 10 goals against yeah. the Ottawa senators, we're going to need you down the line to, to Ron, to your point, like we're coming up on Thanksgiving. We're in November. Now this isn't October anymore. We've gotten through the first month of the season. You're going to have to to take those steps to get there. And right now it kind of looks like, you know, we talked about the defense. We talked about the goaltending. The goaltending is there. You're going to need the offense. Where's it coming from? Patrick Kane's the guy I'm looking at right away. When you think, when I say the words Blackhawks offense, if the first person that doesn't show up in your mind, if that's not Patrick Kane, I don't know who it is. Dominic Kubelik's a close second because I love him fucking, just fucking cranking it. Um, but outside of that, like DeBrinket's there. So, like, you, if you're going to win this game, you need one of these guys, whether it's Dominic Kubelik, Patrick Kane, or Alex Dabrinkit, because I'm not putting Jonathan Taves on this pedestal right now. I'm just not. You need one of those three guys to show up and have the same type of game that Patrick Kane had tonight where they're just fucking on. You need somebody to carry this shit. It's going to be really hard to win this game. The only yeah. thing that I have when you're talking about looking ahead is once – the Nashville Predators get past their identity crisis. I want to know, will there be a banner raised past the identity <laughs> crisis? That's where I'm at right now. That's what I want to know. I want to see that banner hung in Nashville. We got through our identity crisis. That's, yeah, that's I thought, really bothering me. Like, just, I think there was something fucking hilarious. What song are that, they playing during the ceremony? That, You're the DJ, well, Johnny. Well, um, yeah, I, I, dude, I just wanted to point out, just since you brought that up, is that they like finally like made like a joke about themselves with the banner, but it felt like it was like two years too late. Like they were like way past the thing. Like it was like from their Twitter yeah. account, just mm-hmm. fairly recently, I believe. That's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. So the a that's just weird, and it's like b it's like, um, you don't even get credit for like laughing at yourself then because it was just way too late. I think that's the that's the end all be all, and yeah, the, I mean the, the, they're someone from St. Louis or Chicago was hired as the new Predators social media guy, mm. and has had that in the repertoire and probably like pitched that as part of his interview, and it was like I'm gonna drop this tweet, and we're gonna like bring that together and and some exec at the Panthers was like it's a great idea like we're we're at the Predators that's a great idea we're gonna go we're gonna go full in and we're just gonna acknowledge the fact that this is fucking lame that's that's the only explanation there and it just went over like a ton of bricks all right well I'll be in the building I'll uh, make sure to give the mustard tigers some hell on uh, the mustard tigers I love it so yeah we're bringing that back we're bringing back the trailer park boys video so uh you can't wait um it'll be good times but one last thing as you're talking about Patrick Kane being you know the kind of the uh offense the first thing that comes to mind we talk Blackhawks offense here um a couple things that I just noticed um beyond obviously the the goals that he scored and uh you know playing with speed uh getting through the ice all that on ice stuff um a the celebrations that he had he was Fired up. A, you can tell he's happy to be back in the lineup. And then B, he was excited to help Blackhawks for 
Powell to a win. Um, he was thankful for the fans that were there, even though it was, you know, obviously we're not selling out anymore. And it was, you know, 15 K probably less than that. Um, it was, that was just 15 K as in sold uh, a little bit over that, but uh, he was thankful for the fans for uh, showing up and he said there was good energy in the building tonight. So uh, obviously when you're scoring goals, you're helping provide that because people are getting excited, cheering for goals. Um, and then also uh, the, just the urgency here with Patrick Kane wanting to get back and help this team uh, said he texted Colin last night, uh, begging to play tonight, despite being off the ice for 10 straight days and even said i'll only play 11 or 12 minutes if it meant just being in the lineup and colin joked and said like that's gonna happen so um just stuff like that hearing that that was via charlie romiliotis that last story there but um just to your point tony patrick kane wants to will this team just some victories here um he's gonna need some supporting cast to help him out because it's not gonna be a hat trick every night i I just kind of want to circle back make that huge roundabout point there but uh just my thoughts on uh, Patrick Kane's kind of reaction and uh, sort of antics uh, in tonight's game and preceding it. I'll, I'll round about that one more time. And that's the last things I'm going to say on this show is I talked about Jeremy Colleton being a troll. Again, you get in the post game, Patrick Kane texting Jeremy Colleton last night about playing. And then earlier today, we saw Jeremy Colleton say, I don't know if he's going to be in the lineup. I think Jeremy Colleton has a, a wonderful sense of humor. And I don't think that I've like pointed this out at all. Like I think him and I would get along because it would just be a, you know, like just total shit show of like just lying to people back and forth for the, the fact of like, I'm, I, I, this is what's actually going to happen, but I'm going to lead you down this path to believe that I have no fucking clue what's going on. I think Jeremy Carlton knows what's going on with this team. I just don't think that he relates enough or has enough strategy to get things done the right way. I think his, his sense of humor is fucking fantastic. He loves to fuck with people. He loves to, you know, throw Kevin Likenen in the starters net and then pull Marc-Andre Fleury off the ice first. I find that hilarious. I think that that's awesome. I think that he can grow with that. I just wish that like the team would maybe perform a little bit better and look a little bit better and that maybe he would carry some of that into some. And this is, this is weird because I can see Ron who was out on Jeremy Carlton like a week ago, dude, like some I've of the things I've seen he, you, I have never seen you give this much love to Jeremy Carlton. Some of the things is like expert level trolling. It's it's it, it is I, expert level can, trolling. I, I, I don't think, know if Patrick Kane's going to be in line. He's got some tests to pass. What does that mean? I have no fucking idea. I'm sitting there looking at NHL protocols for like, okay, he passed the COVID test. Like, what the fuck is this guy yeah. doing? It's ultimate gamesmanship. Yeah. It's trolling to a whole new degree that you don't see anywhere else. And I love that. And I want, I, like, I almost like want the guy to the, win now. Yes, like, it's, it's it, become to a to, point where like I want him to win. What I wanted to bring this back to Tony is they're not allowed to have fun yet because of how terrible it's been on the ice. Correct. But if they get that and turn the corner and get to that and start stacking wins and you say you go on a winning streak, that's like opposite of that. Now, maybe not like fucking like nine games, but still say you string together five. Like, that'd be cool. I think you could see some of that and that would be a cool time to like break it out and be like, okay, these but guys would, are actually, these guys are actually enjoying their life. Cause what was it, it like Mark Andre Flores said it was like hard to smile like, <laughs> like right. the other night. So yeah, that, that, that's the mixed messages stuff, right? Like we've all been there. We've all been in a mixed messages situation 
it's like here's Jeremy Colleton like trying to have some fun with the media and like just with like practice and everything. And that's that's a great fucking attitude. I love it. I think that that can play really well in today's NHL. Like you have no idea what I'm doing if you're the opposing team or even the beat writer. Like let's have a challenge here. But you've got to have success with that. You can't come out there and then all of a sudden hand your hand your board to Alex DeBrinkett and say, drop the power play and have no fucking reason as to why and say, I don't have all the best ideas. But if you go and you play that game with the media and with your opposing team in your morning skate, and then you come out there and you hand the, the board to Alex DeBrinkett later on and come up with something witty to say in the postgame show, like now you've got this whole circus that no one knows what the hell you're doing, but it's working. It's almost like you're watching the office and you call Michael Scott in and say, why is your branch the most successful branch? Nobody knows, but you're having fun doing it. But right now it just looks like you have no fucking clue what's going on. So like I I can see the, the method behind the madness, but it just hasn't there's, worked. There's a yet. disconnect with the lack Correct. of results. That's what it yeah, is. There's so. a disconnect with the end results. And yeah. at the end of the day, at the NHL level, what worked over overseas or what works in the AHL might not work in the NHL. And unless you can prove it there, you don't have the benefit of the doubt with everybody. And that's right. what I like. Truthfully, honestly, that's what I see in Jeremy Carlton. Ron, you're right. That's the most credit I'll ever give him. That's the last <laughs> shit I'm ever going to say on here. Go prove it. I might be Jeremy Colleton's biggest fan in four or five years. Who the fuck knows? Go win. Results, That's all I care yeah, about. results will results matter. That, so, yeah. Um, guys, uh, we're, we're about out of time here. So, uh, we have some final thoughts here. Obviously, we got our first win under the belt. So, that is just like Mark Andre Fleury said, I think that's grill off the back for me. That, that's kind of the biggest thing there. You got to, you, you got to win one before you get to, um, I think it's going to be a tough test coming up here, but I do believe like you'd said, Ron, I think that game up at Winnipeg on Friday night. Um, I do think that is a place where they can build further. And obviously you can sandwich that even if you don't win with a very solid effort, uh, rebounding against the Carolina hurricanes and you had the benefit playing against them recently. So scouting reports are still fresh, all that. Um, th- that's kind of my last sort of, uh, parting thoughts here. Um, I'll be there too. So uh, cheer the boys on. So I look for some content from at four feathers pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'll be posting from there from Wednesday and Sunday night's game. So guys I'll hand it over to you and we'll get this episode closed down. I'll keep it really quick and simple. Something we didn't talk about yet tonight. Uh, really enjoyed Chris Foster's uh, on the play-by-play tonight. Obviously, we all know that this is Pat Foley's last season behind the microphone for the Blackhawks on TV. So uh, as a guy that we already know is going to be in the rotation, I think he's actually supposed to do the, the next two games this week, Wednesday and Friday. Um, this is a guy I wouldn't be mad about seeing uh, in the future as kind of the voice of the Blackhawks. I've really enjoyed him so far. And um I, I I just wanted to give credit where credit was due. I think he called a great game tonight, especially in his first one uh, at the United Center. He got a nice game uh, from Patrick Kane as well. So that's that's my final thought. Uh, great job tonight, Chris Foster's. I said I wasn't going to say anything else, but I'll say this: it's 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 fun to talk about winning. That's it. It's fun to talk about winning. I hope we get to do more of that this year, boys. Johnny, back to you. 
Yeah, it is very fun to talk about wins. So uh, that'll wrap it up for season three, episode five of the Four Feathers podcast. Tenth times the charm is what this one was called because it took 10 games for the Blackhawks to finally record a win. Yikes. Uh, but hey, it's under our belt. So I uh, hope you enjoyed some victory beers and Blackhawks talk with us tonight. Make sure you go and follow us on social media at Four Feathers Pod at ONTAP Sportsnet. Visit ONTAPSportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. And what you need to do is go subscribe to ONTAP Sportsnet on YouTube. That is where you can interact with us when we run these shows live. Uh, from there, the ONTAP Facebook page and from Four Feathers Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can only comment from Facebook or YouTube, though, so go subscribe on YouTube. Um, that's it, boys. Uh, like I said, tough test coming up ahead for the Blackhawks, but first one's under the belt. So that being said, charging forward, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.